Evening, Mr. Finley. Hey, Finley. How are you, sir? I'm shitty. How are you? I'm feeling better than you. That's for sure, man. Are you though? Really? Daylight savings time is in. The air is. It's gotten darker earlier. The this, the air has a crispy snap to it. Wow. I'm gonna love that. Through. I love it through the holidays, man. This is like this time of year is when. I dig the air. Like, that's... So, yeah, I'm doing okay in that sense. Yeah, this, a lot of other things are shitty right now. Do, but do that's think, I'm feeling good about the air. Oh, well, let's talk about the shitty stuff if you want. But but do you do you think... And I'm just bouncing off you. Do you think that um, you like the sort of daylight savings time because the darkness matches your depressed comedic soul? Yeah, I think it might be. You know what it does is it uh, I, all the black shirts I wear, it makes it that much more likely I'm going hit, to get hit crossing a street probably. Oh, Maybe. okay. So there's <laughs> sweet relief in sight. I just like dark. I just like the darkness. You know, my favorite weather is fog. I'm a fucking weirdo that way. You are a weirdo in many ways. Many so. ways, and that's one of them. Many, many ways. Yes. You, on the other hand, um, what's, uh, what's up with you, sir? Nothing. I don't know if I don't really want to get that into it in the podcast, but just... Um, <laughs> following us in the San Quentin, but yeah, exactly. But um, I just this, this, you know, bummed out about Louis C.K. and yeah, people. Kevin Spacey, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I just heard about Louis C.K., so I'm still like trying to digest. Well, look, so, uh, oh, when Tom digests, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, which wait, wait till later. It's like a python, baby. Oh man, oh, I don't remember eating that. So yeah, well, the thing about it is, the immediate thing is this. You know, we, we've talked about before how you have, like, do you have your your um, Roman Polanskis and you have your, your Woody Allens, mm. and Roman Polanski, I say to myself, why would anyone, I mean, come on, because he's made two <coughs> movies I love, and Woody Allen, I'm like, you ought to separate the artist from the, <laughs> because he's made 12 movies I love. Right. But that, but that's one sort of thing. The thing about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Lucy Kate, that, that I think you do have to be careful about, or Kevin Spacey or whatever it is, is... The first thing we do is go like, oh, man, what a bummer for me. Because uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As if that's the most important thing or something in this conversation. You're removing something from my Sunday here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's how we we, um, we begin this um, podcast. As humans, Jesus. <laughs> I don't like it. That shit what is. the fuck is that about? Ugh. So, um. Ugh. Hey, hey, chick. Boy chick, you <laughs> and the fucking boy chick. Hey. It'll never leave. The unfunniest <laughs> oh, thing oh, ever. Let me tell you. It's kind of funny just because it's so unfunny. Oh, you just. Oh, never mind. I'm going to let that go. Yeah. Let go. Okay. Maybe so, fuck. <laughs> I, uh, I have been pushing at times, and you have been pushing at other times to sort of like challenge the other. Because I think when we started mm. this thing, by the way, just to, I was reminded the other day. That this was originally a long time ago, like two years ago, a podcast called um, The Cinnabums. Yes, sir. And we made, I think, 10, ten episodes. Pretty terrible episodes. And, and by terrible, I mean, you know, we didn't know what we were doing, but also, like, we, we had terrible technology. We were trying to do it over the phone. <laughs> we were doing just it over awful. the phone from Two City. Um, and then, kind of mercifully, I think, um, we discovered after we'd done 10 episodes that there was a Cinnabums already. Right. And so we had to sort of start thinking about starting over. Um, <clears throat> where was us? Oh, but that, so when we went back into it, we thought we don't want to just fall into like, and this week is Cagney and this week is Bogart and this right. week is William Holden mm-hmm. because all of those are there because we love those guys, but to sort of push ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so you did with, um, Yves Montand, for instance, you right. sort of gave me that one. Mm-hmm. And, 
Um, you suggested Vertov, who I'd right. heard of, but I'd never really explored. Right. Now, let's understand something. I'm going to give you credit where it's due here. And yes, of course. Don't get used to that shit. Okay. But a lot of this impetus is really the push for this kind of um, uh, just sort of stepping out of the boundaries <laughs> of, of standard Hollywood. Definitely came from you originally. That's was pretty much yeah, your maybe. baby. But it's kind of something we've both embraced. Because so, yeah. one of the things that ha- I mean, we do it the larger reason is like, hey, we want to present something that's like, you know, I mean, we, we make fun of the PC culture, but at the same time, like, we do kind of appreciate diversity when it comes to art and so forth. And why would you not want to watch a movie just because it's from somewhere else? That's stupid. Well, what's happening also, I think, as a result is, even when we're not sure if we like them, we're kind of getting to live this experience again, We what we first lived in your dad's mm-hmm. living room, which was like, who is this guy, Brando? And let me check out on the waterfront, the men. Let's stay up all night and watch these films I never heard of. Blue? before you put it in the oven, Dad. I wasn't sure. Oh, well, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. But yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's like it's an exploration, some blue. new thing. Oh, dude, that, never mind. We'll, we'll talk later. Yeah. Um, but there was just, uh, but but yeah, no, it's exciting to find some yeah. new, uh, and, and, and I have to say, watching what I think was going to be the first movie we're going to be talking about today, mm-hmm. I had exactly that thought. I'm like, well, this is interesting. Yeah. This is... It's it's interesting. This is movie making in a different culture, mm-hmm. and it's every bit as valid. And it was really interesting. There's some universality to it, which sure. we'll get to too, because you also get the feeling like this is this. I have the same feel as watching Executive Suite. I mean, not not necessarily with this movie, but mm-hmm. like watching these movies. Is mm-hmm. Anyway, we're talking around it, but we're talking about Yosef Shahim, and and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And also, like, kind of shame on on both of us in that, like, mm-hmm. I quote unquote like find this guy Shahim, this Egyptian director, right, and then I introduce him to you. We're supposedly classic movie buffs, but but. He he really has a, a worldwide name. The guy like discovered Omar Sharif. Yeah, made some great sort of you know non Hollywood, obviously Egyptian and Middle Eastern classic movies. Hugely impactful in the Cannes Film Festival, you know, and in the and Moscow, others. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, and 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 <coughs> a damn good. You know, you look at it. You look at like somebody like um, I, I don't know. Let's let's pick uh, Ford. Let's say Ford. Okay. Ford had his talent and all of Hollywood backing him up. Yes. This guy didn't have that. He didn't have the funds to make like big epics. So he didn't make big epics. He made, he or or at least from what I've seen so far of these movies, he made. Well, the one is kind of a bigger epic. I'm going to shut that up. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah, one, yeah. Cairo, the first one we're talking about, which is Cairo Station, 1958's Cairo Station. Okay. Well, just can I just add this before we go into the film that he went? He he asked permission from his parents to go to Hollywood. He lived in Glendale uh-huh. and and studied acting for a little bit, and then came back as an actor who jumped into directing. But go ahead. No, absolutely. He jumped into directing. <clears throat> he made this. Uh, this this movie, it's an interesting movie. It's like yeah, we're going to talk about it more in depth here in a minute. But I don't know. Like, is, should we talk a little bit about the context of you know where he's coming from? He's an Egyptian movie director. Yes. This is at the time when Nasserism is on its rise. Yes. When the you know the whole the whole uh, the, the 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 first sort of Egypt like pan Egyptian uh, pan Arabic awareness is going on at the uh-huh. same time. And this guy walks into the scene. He's a damn competent filmmaker. He's not particular. He's basically he's um. He's not particularly religious. He's, I think he was raised Catholic, in fact. Uh-huh. He was a yep. Catholic. So he's not coming into it with a necessarily religious agenda, but he is, at the same time when this identity is being found out, in a secular sense, and these, you know, Nasser was essentially a secular government, is my understanding, mm-hmm. um, then, and he's part of that parcel, that really interesting time period that happened at that, 58 through the early 60s. 
Yeah, um, right. And and so he'd made a film before this in 1954. And it was Omar Sharif's uh, film debut, and mm-hmm. it was um, initially it was Struggle in the Valley, and then when it was exported to the Moscow um, Film Festival, it was called The Blazing Sun. Right. And I'd love to see that, which is to say, I've only gotten a hold of one copy. And halfway through the copy, the subtitles are about 45 seconds off, uh, rendering it unwatchable, uh, and I can't find it anywhere. So if anyone wants to email us with a, a sort of lead as to where to get that. but So we're talking 1958's Cairo Station. Lucked out, by the way. The uh, the YouTube uh, copy of Cairo Station that I saw yep. had really good subtitles, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the yeah, we were all, right. <laughs> he, he ordered a cheese pizza, I don't know. But, yeah. um, but as opposed to the second movie where the subtitles kept dropping out of the Every once film, in a but, while, but... The film is good enough to see, but let's not get ahead. So Cairo Station, 1958. What is this movie about? Well, it's kind of interesting, right? So it's Mm -hmm. it's about um, it's the tragic sort of uh, not hero certainly, but the tragic sort of protagonist, right? Right. Who is this um, lame or semi lame street? urchin, I guess, who's taken under the wing of a newspaper. Yeah, he's a young man. Although how young he is is very up to date, and how lame he actually is is very up to date. Because he hops around. He's played by Yosef Shaheen. He's played by the actual director himself, yeah. Okay. Okay. So he is uh, sort of adopted by this news vendor and given the job of handing out newspapers at Cairo Station, the right. train station into Cairo. Okay? Uh, one train arrives every minute, one train leaves every minute. Right. It's this kind of Andersonville, uh, Andersonville, the Winesville, Ohio oh, nice. sort of Ruffles. set of stories that are kind mm-hmm. of rotating balls. around this little one, mm-hmm. which is of this guy, this, this newspaper vendor. Yeah. His name I can't I can't even pronounce it. So we're going to call him newspaper man. We're going to go totally Western white dudes in terms of saying that guy and that guy. We've memorized Yosef Shaheem's name, and that's kind of. I don't know. I don't even want to go that. Yeah. You know, like oh, that's even worse. We'll so. learn more. We're learning, people. Yes. We're learning. Oh, we are but eggs. But okay. but so it starts off with this premise that that. There's a voiceover from the news vendor that said, basically, I went back to this guy's like little hovel where he's sleeping, and I realized he'd become obsessed, obsessed with the the figure of women. Yes, he was lonely, and so so we see this 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 lame newspaper um, stand assistant mm-hmm. um, who's who's just living in like utter loneliness and disregarded by everyone. Everybody, the bottom of the, everybody in the movie essentially represents some form of a drag of a society. He True. represents the one they're all looking down on. They, he's the bottom of that barrel for right. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, considering like, like, dude, buy a new cap for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, he wears this cap throughout the entire thing. Again, uh, always got to keep your head covered. But yeah, uh, it's just it's got a holes in the side of it. It's really, he's a pathetic character. It really is. He's and disgusting. There are. He doesn't look like he's seen a lot of water in his life. Uh, good point. Well, so there there are a couple of, of of sort of subplots happening. Some more important than others, certainly to me. So there's. There's um, a, a kind of like station friend of his who's a porter essentially, right? right? And and he's a sort of big, good-looking guy, and he um, he wants to unionize or or better the union so that right. so that his fellow workers can get and and that divides him from the union boss, but also from some of his peers who don't want to cause waves. Right, who don't want to cause waves and are more than happy to scab it up. And that subplot becomes important later on. So yeah. so he only slightly. Oh, okay. I disagree. Well, maybe we can talk that up. But, okay. but so he has a relationship with um, this really sort of like gorgeous in a weird in a sloppy way, <laughs> sloppy gorgeous yes. woman yeah. Yeah. who 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 is sort of um, who's like if, uh, breaking uh, the law by by selling sodas. It's it's a country where there's no alcohol, right? So 
I wonder, I got to be honest with you. I'm just curious about this one. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, is is her selling sodas? Her, all these girls are selling sodas. They're going the on state. the trains and, with buckets of sodas and selling right. them. Is this like some kind of shorthand? I don't think so. For prostitution? I, it could be, but it'd be sloppy the way they did no, it. No, I think it's exactly what it is because yeah. the, 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 the licensed vendor on the platform is always chasing after them because they're unlicensed. Right. Right? right? Yeah. It's the real nanny state at work, Tom. She's like a floozy Anna Mignani. I don't know how else to put it. She's 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 really great. Yeah. I mean, she's also hateable in some ways, which means she's a great actress. Yes, yes. because so, well, she's a small person in her own, you know, in her own head, right? Yeah, but you she's, know, we all see that. Okay, so 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 she's the sort of the apple of this union, you know, guy's life, this Porter's life. I the should Porter's say. Porter's life, right? Well, he's, they're they're engaged to be married. They are engaged to be married. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, she's caught the eye of our protagonist, our the protagonist, lame, who has like just papered his little shack in pinup. And pinup girls, he has. This is this is the woman for him. He has decided a breathing version, Pygmalion in a way, right? Pygmalion <laughs> yeah. re- in reverse, I suppose. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so he's he professes her, um, you know, love for her in different ways and at different levels. In escalating it, it's escalating it, and and not only you know, like on the way to 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 sort of ratchet up his courage to tell her something about his love. Um, a passerby kid will throw a rock in his eye. I mean, he's just constantly being, and it's it's over the top in a classic movie fashion. Yeah. But it's also it's like you feel for this guy, mm-hmm. and you also feel for him. Of course, she doesn't return his love. You oh, know, right. he, he, and his he, and his dreams are so out of touch with her. <laughs> oh yeah, I can bring you back to her. my goat farm, and we can, we, we can live in mud, and but I'll be happy because we'll right. be in love and together. And she wants nothing to do she, with him. That is the last thing on earth she wants she wants as many pillows around her as possible yeah and as many bright light disco i don't know she's just so she's, she's a she's a very shallow person in her own way it's the conflict of the film and and, and but i just want to interrupt it to say there's this other subplot that i mean unless it was a kind of a literary device or a parallel i'm not really sure i understood which was there's this other young girl at the station who's clearly in love with a wealthy Egyptian mm-hmm. passing through the station, who's also already married or in a relationship. So I don't really understand why that pops up every once in a while. It's unclear to me. I think there's a couple of things going on here, okay. and this is going to be this is going to be me projecting. Well, okay, I'm going to go. With this. I want to say one thing really quickly. Yeah, um, which is. Well, I was, as I was watching this, there's a part of me that wanted a little more insight into the culture. Yeah, for sure. What was going on, because I think that's really heavily informing a lot of what's going on here. Okay. That there's a huge amount of subtext that I'm just missing. Now, the, for one thing, uh, th- I got to say, the acting in this movie is very over the top. Everybody is shouting all the time. Nobody whispers almost at all throughout this movie. Okay, and I think but it's, it's also a, in Cairo Station, right? Exactly. But but like I said, I think like contextually and 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 maybe you know um, um, socially, I, I I just I I thought it was really interesting the way they did it and made it seem natural. Okay, somehow you know. Okay, yep. so I thought that was really good, and then I think that little subtext there is kind of a statement of the times, the politics of the times going on right there, because because the 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 younger uh, this this nice couple, this this nice young girl who's cheating uh, with this man who's obviously married. They're obviously wealthy too, uh-huh. and thus sort of you know maybe the corruption of Western influences. He's wearing a three piece suit. He looks very much like so sorry, mm-hmm. uh, very much like you know so like a like maybe a Western imperialist yeah, or yeah, a yeah. lackey thereof. So. Okay, 
I'm thinking maybe that's so going that's, on. It does have a literary quality to it, then, like a device to sort There's of a like a subtext a, or something, right? A literary and a political quality. And this is yep. this is how this is how these people deal with it, and this is how these poor fuckers. Deal yeah, with it. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Well, okay. So 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 then to go back to the main thread, you know, finally. Um, our, our sort of protagonist is rebuffed a, a final and kind of cruel time yes. by this woman, right? Yeah, she doesn't get that he's serious and, and his seri- he, the, the impact of his seriousness on these requests to marry him, yeah. he, she, she doesn't care. She doesn't fully understand she it. She doesn't get it. Well, so finally he's angered by it and, he, and this is a really interesting thing that happens. He overhears um a, a newspaper boy talking about the unsolved murder right. and stabbing of a woman and so he buys a knife mm-hmm. and um asks the woman oh oh she okay so sorry sorry so she she is uh, chased by the police because she's selling these buckets of soda right. so she asks him for a favor which only enrages him more mm-hmm. and he he hides the bucket from the police right. but he then tells her to meet him later on Right. Get your bucket back. Get the old bucket back. Right, we're going to kick this thing. Come mm. get the bucket, madam. A little, little bucket kicking for Nothing you, Nothing wrong here. Just uh. a bucket for you. Uh-huh. So, anyway. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I don't know if we want to give away... I mean, we've given away so much, but basically, um, it becomes a very tense plot. Do you want to give it away? Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Let's do fuck it. Fuck it. So, so he it. hides in, in the shadows mm-hmm. thinking that she's going to come to retrieve her bucket and he's going to stab her. Right. And, to death. To death. Put her in a crate, mm-hmm. put the crate on a train, and she's gone. And what happens in the meantime is she doesn't want to deal with him, so she sends her friend who's right. similarly dressed. Mm-hmm. The friend goes into the darkness. He stabs the friend. Doesn't even realize he stabbed the wrong person. Right. Puts the friend in the box. Right. Puts the, and puts the crate on the train. A real double take later on when he sees her walking down the street. Oh, whoa, whoa, what? Oh, absolutely. By the way, it's, it is it is necessary to understand this man doesn't have the sufficient competence to actually succeed in the one murder he did try. I know. Right. Because because the girl him. who got I know I feel terrible. I do I feel bad because for the girl this guy. he stabs didn't die oh, she's just a in the box stab, a revenge stabbing well, a little later on she comes back get your bucket she's like you know she's, she's empowered now so yeah he's left for the bucket <laughs> the wrong body so but but the, now the reason that I think the porters um, the subplot of the porter and the union thing comes into play here is because. He is disliked by a sufficient number of his coworkers that they are willing to believe immediately when that body is discovered, the right. wrong body, that he did it. Right. They do that immediately. And and it seems and there's a part of me that thinks that like in five years from uh-huh. like five years after this, they had a planted it on them. The, yeah, like maybe they got more, action. more sophisticated about this kind of thing. Yep. And the only thing I say the only thing that I would object to on that account right there is how quickly it got dropped. Like like the woman showed up and then suddenly all these guys were just, Oh, let's go do this. Yeah, except that our protagonist is such a fucking schlub that he Everybody does. fucks everything up. Yeah. And it ends with this really a very touching and crazy scene yeah. of him holding it holding the woman the object of his original desire hostage on the railroad track mm-hmm. while the whole station gathers around them and right. tries to talk um, sense into him like including, half of Cairo is there yeah. <laughs> including the sphinx what's going on over here fellas where's my anyone see my nose hello so uh, including the guy who had originally taken him under, under his wing so yeah. it's just, it's a, it's kind of a i don't know it's a tragic story of you have to be careful here in this day and age, I'm not advocating what he did. Just letting you know that. That I'm not. 
but that it's it's tragic that he's sort of driven to this place by being so marginalized. Yeah. No, absolutely. He absolutely is. And yeah. um, what, what, are the thing, what what's really one of the things that's kind of interesting about it too? Yeah. Again, the societal difference differences here mm-hmm. um, is when it came out in Cairo. Oh, people were not happy. They thought that it sent the wrong sort of moral message because ultimately the, the 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 slutty girl got away. She, yeah, she was she 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 romped away unpunished. Well, Shaheem is is n- not afraid of controversy at all. He likes never the has been, yeah. and and in fact, we'll get into that with the next one pretty soon. <laughs> I like the the the, the um, camera work. Camera work is nice. I like the, the, the lighting. Lighting was amazing. The lighting is great. It's all black and white, but the lighting is fabulous. It captures. Where do they come up with those costumes? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that hat. What yeah. the fuck is that? Yeah, it was just. It was I really. Like a I mean, condom. The thing is, I, I think it falls into the category, and it's for me, it's like I had to remind myself of this because I'm looking through two filters. I'm always looking through a filter when I watch a movie from 1958. Mm-hmm. If you watch The Young Lions, right, the same year. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great film, but even Montgomery Clift, who's a great actor, is over the top because it's 1958. So I'm looking at a 1958 film, and I'm looking at the second filter, which is I'm not sure that I'm understanding the culture or am I understanding Mm -hmm. the culture. And given all of that, I think even the acting is... It's a matter of suspension of disbelief at at most. It's well, not like it's, it's a little over the top, but again, yeah. suspension of disbelief kicks in. Sure, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with where oh, the acting I'll, came I'll from. Right, Mr. Shaheen. I know his relatives anyway. Mm. Oh, Tom's okay with it. Yeah, I am okay with it, motherfucker. Here's your bucket, um, Tom. Come over in, into the dark. Here's okay. your bucket. It's Joe's office down at Cairo <laughs> Station. That is this fucking place. So, um, so would you say would you say a thumbs up for this movie? Or? Absolutely, it's a thumbs Love up. Love this movie. It's a weird thing because it's almost like, in a sense, as a Westerner. And again, I think this is a cultural thing. It almost feels like it's not a movie. It's like it's like a, whereas in, in a Western, like a movie that that I'm aware of, you know, is has this very set structure. Mm-hmm. This seemed a lot less structured along the narrative lines that I'm used to. Right. It felt like watching a short story more than it did watching a movie. Well, which it's is a short a movie. It's like an hour and twenty minutes. Right. So. Right. So there is that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was great. I totally recommend it. Okay. Well, same Step year. Out, kiddos. Even more controversial, I would oh, say, is this is Jamilia the Algerian, 1958. Yosef. Um, Yes, Shaheen's. Shaheen's. Uh, so look, he he makes this film. He's an Egyptian director. Right. He, I think he makes it in Egypt, but he it's set in Algeria. Right. I have an interesting sort of. Um, I wouldn't say insight. And you're the historian of the two of us, but I have a sort of um, a coincidental insight, which is to say that my mother-in-law is Algerian. Yes, that is true. And it couldn't be the least like the any of the least <laughs> like any Algerian you've ever met. I mean, she's Algerian. She grew up in Algeria. Mm. Her fa- her mother was German. She married her father, who was Algerian, because her mother was a nurse and had nursed him back to health during the World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, they lived not far from Algiers. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then she moved on when she was a teenager to France. She lived in France and then eventually came to Fresno, of all places, right, right. through all these circumstances. But, but, and she's nothing like a French woman either. She loves Wonder Bread and bologna. And she, yeah. But she's also nothing like an Algerian. And I asked her recently, because I, I had watched this film, and I love, I love The Battle, Battle of Algiers, Algiers, which I have fuck. a poster here. I'm looking at it in my, my office. Um, 
I asked her, hey, what did you think about what the French did to Algeria? And she said, oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. And then she paused and she said, but it was better with the French. You know, and, and her, her brothers and sisters were all, and I think it's safe to say this many years later, kind of, you know, rebels, yeah. freedom fighters at the time. She was mm-hmm. the only one who wasn't. And the story around the family was, don't ever tell her anything because she'll fold as soon as they like wave a new French dress in front of her. So that's my connection. Like I, I know someone who experienced this time. And the French colonial aspect of it, sure. and did vaguely think it was terrible, but also like doesn't have any rage about it at all. Well, yeah, because we all think uh, the way the, we all think the way the one percent is taking advantage of us right now is terrible. But God damn it, yeah, there's a bed, bath, and beyond just down the street. Right? <laughs> That's right. We're all like <laughs> what are my we any better in that sense? In that sense, so so this film is is is. It, it was banned for like 30 years in both Algeria and Egypt, apparently. Yeah, right, and it's a story. It, it's I mean. It's a propaganda okay, film well, from the it's, other side. It's right? ragingly a propaganda film. It ragingly. comes comes out of the gate with an anthem to all Arabs to rise and to By the way, rise against their torment. Did you notice what else in terms of the theme um, that this stole? It's it's gone with the good. Sorry, no, no, please. It's gone with the wind. I would like to point out that's also in the first movie. What? That's also in. In uh, uh, Cairo Station, the Gone with the Wind thing. Gone with the Wind. He loved that it's, Gone with the Wind he, thing. Well, I think he just had, <laughs> he, just had a, he had licensing to one song. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so it's. I mean, yeah, it's a raging. But the thing is, it's so well done that I kept having to remind myself that it's propaganda film, and how often yeah. I probably don't remind myself that movies from America are propaganda films if they're also well done. Right. You just because ultimately it's a really good story and it's well done. This yeah. guy's a great director. He so, really is, and he's. God, his use of the camera is amazing. His use oh, of lighting yeah. is good here. It's very different from uh, from uh, Battle of Algiers. Battle of, no, yeah. no, not Battle of Algiers, oh, but uh, Cairo Station. Station. Yeah, yeah. Cairo Station. He's working with darkness. Yep. And this one, he's working with like bright sunlight, right? Bleached and out. You're really, almost. really bringing a lot of sunlight into what my understanding of the Cosmo, which isn't necessarily a sun drenched place. No, as a rule, I could be wrong about that. By my, my understanding, no. Okay. But anyways, but but he's using like God, he uses a camera like a like a ten foot, like a fifty dollar <laughs> whore. Well, so so it starts off um with a little bit of a, a sort of like I guess a history lesson from their point of view, and right. it's all the sort of flashbacks of the Algerians being convinced to fight for the French right. and then being colonized by the French and the Algerians like these motherfuckers, don't they realize we just, we were helping them, we were giving them dignity? It's also more like they were well the, yeah, then they were colonized by the French and then they went to war for the French again in yep. World War Two. Yeah. This time we and mean with it. The promise, and the, but, but the promise for the French, oh, is, oh, we'll pull out. Oh, they're here. Lucy. Oh, well, the Lucy in the football yes, for sure. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, so it gives us that background, and and Jamelia, this this character who's based. This is based on a real real historical Mm -hmm. figure. This film was released, not started filming, released one year after the events that surrounded. Yes, right. So, so there was this fucking urgency to movie making back then. Battle of Algiers, this thing here, but it's well done. This need for yeah, this need to to get realism, you know, in here. And yeah, it is a propaganda movie, but there's there's an essence of realism going on in this movie that's really freaking. Because every good propaganda film ultimately has to be something else. It has to be um, a good story. Story, for instance, to be a or, good movie. Yeah, well, even like Michael Moore. You know, Michael Moore. I I have admiration. I like some things he does. Some things I despise, and, and I think are kind of mm. dishonest. I have mixed feelings about the guy. But one thing I do admire is, in the end, he he has said this over and over again. I want it to be an entertaining film. I yeah. want someone to walk away going like, I enjoyed the film, even if I hated his politics. Right. And I, ah, that's true. And that's true here. I mean, you can. 
you can be very knowledgeable about the issues and have a have a, a, a French perspective, a francophone perspective, sure. here, and still go. This is a goddamn well made film, right? Absolutely, and it's a story. And you could come okay. in here not knowing anything and yep. get an education. That's and walk true. Away with a heart filled with something different. That is absolutely true. Good propaganda. I guess what we're saying is up with the revolution, down with the French, down with the Brits. So Jamelia, <laughs> another movie. Fuck. Jamelia was um, a real a real character, and, and she. Um, she was raised with her with her brother by her mm-hmm. uncle, by her and uncle. and I think middle to upper class. Middle class, yeah, definitely uh, respect, definitely a respectable age of middle class. And, and sure. she's got she's walking this line all the time because um, all the Algerians, you know, we'll see like it starts with the, the the metaphor of a wanted poster, and it's it's one of the rebels is wanted, and and so every all the Algerians sort of salute the poster or, or tear down the wanted posters, and the the French keep putting them up. Oh, yeah, like, see, like like kids are like walking behind the soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> So you see this thing, and, and she's in this middle place where it's like she wants to, she wants to be friendly toward everyone. She wants to be everyone's friend. She wants to be respectful, even of the French in in her land in the beginning. And and, she, and but she, she also respects you know the, the problems that people are having with the French as colonizers. Yeah, well, you're hearing the explosions at her window. She has that. She's that kind of. She's a. She's first off. She's a stunningly beautiful actress. I would say pretty, also like just pretty, very but, pretty, but innocent. There's an innocence mm. that she brings to it, and so that's what I think they were really playing up in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. She's totally a pacifist. Like she all but Wearing like has fucking. Skirt. She all but has like dwarves and like like following her and like birds landing on her fingers. Practically, oh, like she's that she's that little picture of innocence going. Oh, birds. Anyways, uh, so she got that that picture of innocence that she's yeah. bringing to this whole thing. So, mm-hmm. so she's the she's that that neutral party who slowly moves over and starts taking a political stance. Interesting, interesting. Well, the way she does it is, you know, initially she sees the divide between her schoolmates, and so on the one hand she has her close friends who are you know really against the French government. Right, pro She, she has this other friend who's father is a judge and who's made well seemingly mm-hmm. by cooperating right? right sort of like collaborationist a, a collaborationist he's, he's definitely judge. Made it heavy that. and so he has a great estate and mm-hmm. and this friend of hers is like what's wrong with the french you know because she sees how she, her own life has has sort of advanced and she's like drinking lemonade out of her slipper or something like that you know i believe because they was, are wealthy it was country time lemonade. Yeah. oh well the good stuff yeah so ask your mother-in-law so jamelia is sort of like trying to, to be this you know detente this this um what do you call it a uh, Middle ground. Yeah. So, so um, what happens one day is one of her friends, who's obviously been working for the underground, is essentially murdered. Uh, well, not well, well. They try to murder her, and they take they take her away. Well, okay. They come in a restaurant in their classroom. Yep. Uh, she's been shot, which yeah. is oh, that's a bad sign. That's a bummer. And the and the soldiers who come to take her away start beating the shit out of her. Yeah. Right there on the which classroom. is wrong. Yes. I just want to say it's very wrong. It's very wrong. You should never hit a, a rebel. Right. Anyway, so they they do that. They drag her out, and this begins Jamila's definitely her departure. Over to the other side. It's to, a great taking a stance. It's classic. I mean, this movie's like the counterfeit trader, which we've done before. But that—that's the sort of moment where you're brought through the realization through her eyes that those people around her, who she considers like kind of passively collaborators or do nothings, are in fact have in fact all along been part of the resistance. Right. That... Her, her uncle and mm-hmm. her uncle's friend, and... and ultimately the judge, his friend's father, mm-hmm. who was uh, who was supposed to be the big collaborator. Yeah. He turns out to be part of this resistance as well. It goes. Miles deep. I, you know what's interesting is I love Battle for, for Algiers of Algiers. Is it four? Yeah, of no. Algiers. But but um, as much as I love that film, in some ways, in some ways, mm-hmm. I like parts of how they handled this one better. Well, because Battle of Algiers is um, 
a wonderful movie. It is wonderful. It's it's it, literally every American should watch that movie for sure. But it's a movie that appeals to the. I think it appeals to the intellect. Okay, this is not afraid to go for your feels for the emo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Battlefield Jews is fucking afraid it's of that. Certainly not a documentary, but, but it's, it's more it's got more like clinical. docudrama to it. It's, almost it's, it, there's a clinical sense to it in a sense, in a lot of ways too. So this one is about about following Jamilia for about eighty percent of the film mm-hmm. through um, her. Um, being, being part of the resistance. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's just you know, a film that just follows her through the resistance. Gathering and, skills and courage. And guns. And, <laughs> and there's a feminist, yeah. and this is definitely, oh, yeah. This is weird. This is very strange because, and again, I think it, it speaks to the secular nature of mm-hmm. what was the, you know, the, the Arab, uh, the pan Arab sort of. Yeah. Uh, growth at that time period yeah. uh, was that the, this was a movie that definitely celebrated, or maybe it's just maybe it's just uh, uh, what's uh, Shaheen. It might maybe just Shaheen, yeah. uh, but it's celebrating females in uh, in their role in this in this rebellion here. I think so. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how that region would change. Be, you know what I mean? Like yeah, this yeah. sustained a homeland, and then the homeland turned against the women again, mm-hmm. just as the French turned against. The Algerians, absolutely, you know? and we all like do human it. nature happening yeah, here. Like, or something. We're all shitty and horrid. Here's your bucket. I tell you, there's the other thing too. I wanted to point out in the first movie, mm-hmm. everybody looks very different. In this movie, every guy has the same fucking mustache. Ah, uh, no, no, look no like Marcherie oh, special. They call absolutely. that absolutely. Yeah. Well, so 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 that's. I mean, there's nothing much to say more about that part except right. that you follow. Any great adventure film or any great sort of spy film or any great resistance film, mm-hmm. like The Train or The Counterfeit Trader or anything like that, it has all those elements. And then you have the last part. And here's where I think this film becomes the most Shakespearean. But I'm going to say this. Ky- I think Cairo Station has Shakespearean qualities. Mm-hmm. This film has epic qualities and becomes Shakespearean at the end because she's caught and there's the trial. She's right. tortured and her, brutally tortured. Brutally tortured, and it's implied but never stated. She's obviously she's raped. She's raped also. Yeah, and it's a kangaroo court with the most cartoonish style. Uh, yeah, of the I most, mean, of the yeah. most Shakespearean <laughs> style, right? Like the yeah. most over the top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's almost a sparseness to it that that's that's I think intentionally like a, it becomes a stage play. At the yeah, end. there's that feel to that courtroom that's like uh, you know like. Real great surrealist plays, like yeah. um, or, or movies. Uh, the Ten Thousand Fingers of Doctor Fives is one of them. Uh, no, mm-hmm. Doctor T. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then and oh, shit, I'm trying to think of some others. Bye but bye anyways, bye. but there's this there's this kind of stretched uh, stretched to the horizon feeling, like yeah. the, like the ceiling is taller than it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of a feeling that goes on. It's really it's really interesting. So it's it's all it's ultimately about her demise. And in a weird, here's where it becomes. Please, she didn't die. What do you mean? The movie implied that they executed her. They didn't execute her. Oh, you mean her. in real life? In real life, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, but what I was going to say was, whether it's the real life version or this sort of misrepresentation mm-hmm. of it, um, the word martyr came up for me for the first time. Oh, yeah. That it came up for me for the first time, the actual word martyr, not the vague concept, but the word martyr came up in my brain the first time, is a tribute to like what a good film this is, mm. that you get lost in it. Yeah. But clearly she's the martyr figure. Right. Um. Uh. Here. No, she's tortured brutally. She's the her 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 younger brother is tortured brutally. Yeah. And they get into uh, they get into the court, and it's just like we're saying this horrible kangaroo court, mm-hmm. very cartoonish feeling. And in the middle of it, this French prosecutor walks in, and he's not a prosecutor, but a French uh, lawyer, and he has decided he's come all the way from France. He said there was great cheese. I think. He wanted, yeah, he wanted fromage. From, in yeah. a bucket. From yeah, a bucket full of fromage uh, in the dark. Wow, that ate a 
dick right there. That Sorry. was amazing. Go ahead. No, both of us. Uh, anyway, so he comes in and he's decided he's going to be her savior. He's going to represent her. Yeah, yeah. And it's in that, and we get it. We're, we're treated to about ten more minutes of how utterly futile that was. Yeah, but it's the idealism and and it's uh, the well, idealism that 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 is that spark that is French. So look, here's the thing: if 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 this is a blatant propaganda film, oh, which yeah. it is, mm-hmm. and it even has the idea of like martyrdom in it. Mm-hmm. And we're living in our time where we look at, at the Arab world and we look at history and we're not sure like, wait, what, what side am I supposed to be on because I'm enjoying this film? I'm thinking about a few years ago, this thing happened where Roger Ebert was still, he was at the last part of his life where he could review films and use his <laughs> mouth still. <laughs> That's cruel. That Why are we laughing? Nightmarish. So, so he, he reviewed a film called, I think it was called Paradise Now. Mm. Have you ever seen Paradise Now? No, but I will later. It's a film about <laughs> you jerk. It's a film about two friends, um, Palestinian friends, mm-hmm. who are recruited to walk into Israel and detonate bombs. And they're bombs. They're they're wearing suits, and and there's explosive and bombs underneath. And once they're put on, they're given to understand they won't be able to take them off. They'll mm-hmm. be um, remotely detonated. Mm-hmm. So they're truly going to be martyrs at this point. And they grab. Um, a, a taxi on the Palestinian side to get closer to Israel. And the taxi driver goes into this whole sort of long story about how the is Israelis are poisoning the Palestinian water. Hmm. So Roger Ebert gave this film a great thumbs up and it is a really good film. I think it's like 2004 or something. Right. And he got in a lot of shit um, from conservatives. They're like, how can you support a film like this? Are you telling me you think the Israelis are poisoning the Palestinian, Palestinian water? And Roger Ebert pointed out the obvious, which is what I think is that a Palestinian cab driver thinks that. Right. And so it really doesn't matter. It's good storytelling. Mm-hmm. I don't have to agree with the politics. And I'm not, I'm not trying to back off with agreeing with the politics here because I don't really know how I feel. But I'm giving myself the room for if I figure it out mm-hmm. and on top of the propaganda, it's like, ugh, and propaganda for something that's untrue. If I come to that conclusion, I'm still going to love this film for being a great film. Yeah, absolutely. And it is. I think it is a great film. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to love my propaganda too. The propaganda that comes from from where I come from, mm-hmm. you know, everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's almost nonsensical, really, to take it because that's that's part of that want to make everything simple and easy. And movies is one of those places where we can find out another universe where it isn't as simple. You know, it's yeah. pointed out to us. This is this is these are the thoughts and expressions and feelings of people from across the world. And you know, it was really interesting between the two movies, the parallels, Battle of Algiers mm-hmm. and this, like the, we even had like the same colonel, like just represented yeah. by two different actors with yes. two very different takes the on it. Very same act. look though, yeah. Yeah, but with the sunglasses and the whole nine yards. Yeah. I think it was very important at the time. And she and Jamila is a character in the Battle of Algiers, apparently very briefly. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but very briefly because by that time they decided, oh women, never mind. Yeah. Uh, kind of moved <laughs> well, on from were we thinking? <laughs> Even though they were crucial at that in that in that particular thing, yeah, fuck yeah. politics. This is movie making. Yeah, and they're both available good prints on mm-hmm. YouTube. And you know, you alluded to it, a couple of drops it, in the subtitle, but I, it was like a handful of drops where you knew what was happening. I, yeah, that's the problem. Is that, yeah, yeah, even though there were actually, I think there were significantly more drops than a handful. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I at no point hands. did I lose the thread of this particular movie. Yeah, all. it's fantastic. And, that, and then let me just back up and say, by the mm-hmm. way, just stop being threatened, fucking white people, and watch a goddamn movie that's a good movie. What do you mean? 
Well, I said, I don't know, well, this, but that, but that, you know, but I'm an American and I believe this and we're this. And I don't, I just don't want your propaganda getting in the way of watching another good movie. That's one of the things we do here mm-hmm. on the Finleys on Film. We yeah. talk about movies sure. that we like and we try to get other people yeah. maybe interested in watching those. So oh, go yeah, watch yeah, yeah. this movie. You I hate white red people too. Passages. I'm looking at one. I can't stand. Uh, I'm so fucking white. This I'm, guy over there. I'm so white. I'm pink. Uh, I could use you I'm for so, white out. Uh, yes, you probably should. Huff me. Huff me, Joseph.